Uh, Imam Nawi radiallahu anhu says in hadith uh, 23 Wa Abi Malik al-Kharith ibn Hasim al-Shari radiallahu anhu qal qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at-tuhur shatru al-iman walhamdulillahi tamla'u al-mizan wa subhanallahi walhamdulillahi tamla'ani aw tamla'u ma bayna samai wal awd والصلاه نور والصدقات برهان والصبر ضياء والقران حجه لك او عليك كل نفس يغدو فبائه نفس كل الناس يغدو فبائه نفسه فمطيعها او مبيعها رواه مسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال النووي رحمه الله في قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم الطهور شطر الإيمان والحمد لله تملأ الميزان وسبحان الله والحمد لله تملأني أو تملأ ما بين السماء والأرض والصلاة نور والصدقة برهان والصبر ضياء والقرآن حجة لك أو عليك كل الناس يغدو فبائع نفسه فمعتقها أو موبقها رواه مسلم by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we managed to explain the first part of this hadith, which is At-Tuhuru Shatrul Iman. Just in order for us to remind ourselves of what we said in the explanation of the first part, I'll ask a few questions, insha'Allah. At-Tuhuru Shatrul Iman has two explanations who can give us the two explanations for the meaning of at-tuhuru shatrul iman at-tuhuru shatrul iman has got two meanings one we can talk about at-tuhur as wudu which is half of iman iman being salah in this case the second part is at-tuhur being talking about shirk, meaning one has to negate shirk. So shirk in this case being half of iman, which is negation, and then confirmation being the belief in Allah. Very well explained. Then uh, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, Walhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan. Alhamdulillah fills up the scale. Uh, Sheikh Sulaiman, what is meant by Alhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan? Fadal. What does the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mean by Alhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan? Alhamdulillahi fills up the scale. Why? Why is Alhamdulillah able to fill up the scale? 
Idris, you were here. There's, there's one reason why Alhamdulillah is able to tilt the, the scale. Why would Alhamdulillah tilt the scale? The scale of good deeds. You've forgotten? Who, who remembers? Alhamdulillah is able to tilt the scale of good deeds. For what reason? No. <clears throat> uh, Alhamdulillah is able to tilt the scale because Alhamdu, meaning all the praise belongs to Allah. There is nothing else that you can give praises to apart from Allah. So it is able to tilt the scale because Allah is the creator of everything. Uh, we say that Alhamdulillah is able to tilt the scale because nothing is heavier than the name of Allah. All right. We said nothing is supposed to be heavier than the name of Allah. The, the name of Allah is the, the greatest. And therefore, whatever we did, uh, if we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with sincerity, that belief in Allah, that name of Allah is able to outweigh uh, whatever mistakes we made if we are sincere. And Rasulullah narrates a story of a man who will be brought on the day of judgment and he is going to have tis'awa tis'ina sijilla. Could you finish the story? I didn't get your attention. Rasulullah talks about a story. He narrates the events of the day of judgment where a man is brought before Allah and he has 99 books full of sins. Would you finish that story? Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, finish the story. No. Okay, in the story, um, the, the, the 99 um, books that he has, one is as big as the eye can see. And then um, when, they, when he's brought on the Day of Judgment, after they have put all the books and then they ask him if uh, he has anything to offer, he says, uh, no, he doesn't have. Then they bring a piece of paper where, alhamdulillah, he's written on and... Oh, Ashahadu Allah, ilaha illallah is written on, and then they put it on the other scale, and the scale on the, um, the, the Shahada becomes heavier than all the sins that he had. Why? Because there is nothing more important than, more heavier than the name of Allah when it is in sincerity. So I think this is what we explained in the last muhadara. Uh, we ended on Qawluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa subhanallahi wa alhamdulillahi tamla'ani aw tamla'uma bayna samai wal ab. And I think Mamadu asked a question. He said, tamla'ani aw tamla'u. What is the explanation? Because we said the rawi is not sure. He said either tamla'ani. Tamla'ani talks about two things. Tamla'u talks about one thing only. So what is the explanation? Why is tamla'ani different from tamla'u? If we say tamla'ani, it means subhanallah and alhamdulillah together will fill up the space between the heaven and the earth. Subhanallah and alhamdulillah put together should be able to fill up the space between the heaven and the earth. But if we say subhanallah walhamdulillah tamla'u ma bayna samai wal ard, we mean either subhanallah or alhamdulillah 
is able to fill up the space between the heaven and the earth. Subhanallah alone is enough to fill up the space between the earth and the heaven. And Alhamdulillah on its own should be enough to fill up the space between the earth and the heaven. So the Rawi, the narrator, is not sure what the Messenger wasallam said. Did he say, Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah will fill up the space between the heaven and the earth? Or did he say, either Subhanallah or Alhamdulillah is able to fill up the space between the heaven and the earth? So he narrated it according to, to his doubt, according to his shak. He said, or he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, either Subhanallah or Alhamdulillah is able to fill up the space between the heaven and, and the earth. I think that's where we ended. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Tamla'ani, or Tamla'uma, Bayna Sama'i, Walla'ardi, Wassala to Nurun. And Salah is a light. Wassala to Nurun, Salah is a light. This phrase has come in the form which we call in Arabic Mutlaq. Mutlaq means general. The Messenger Sallallahu has not specified. And according to the principles of uh, fiqh and usul al-fiqh, when something comes generally without specification, then it applies to anything that it can possibly apply to. The Messenger Sallallahu didn't specify. He didn't say, Salah is nur for your face, for example. He didn't say that, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He simply said, Salah is nur. Salah is a light. So because this is a general term, and the Messenger ﷺ has not specified a light for which part of the body, or a light for what, it means salah is a light for everything. It's nur everywhere. It's nur on your face. Salah is nur in your grave. Salah is nur on the day of resurrection. Salah is nur at the time of crossing the bridge. In the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, When those people who will walk in darkness on the day of judgment, trying to cross the bridge of Sirat, when they ask, they ask those who have nur. Everyone is going to have, I mean the Muslims, those who prayed will have nur shining from their faces. And different people will have different amounts of nur. For some people, they will have a lot of nur on their faces and they can see the way. Some of them will have little nur. Some of them will have no nur at all. They will walk wallow in darkness. They say, Unnuruna, wait for us, naqtabisu min nurikum, so that we can use your light to see the way. Because we can't see where we're going. And you are moving too fast. Unduruna, wait for us, naqtabis min nurikum, so that we can take advantage of your nur, your light, to see the way in order to cross the bridge of Sirat that lies on Jahannam, on the hellfire. It is said to them, go back behind you, where? In the world. Go and find your own light. But is it possible for them to come back to the world to find light? And what is that light which they would find if they came to the world? It's the light of Salah, the Nur of Salah. You create the Nur in this world, 
through praying your salah five times a day. Someone gave maw'idha to uh, his companion by taking him to the grave. He took him to the grave and pointed at the graves. He said, if you were in their place, these people who lie here, these who died, some of them younger than you, some of them are babies, some of them older than you, if you were in their place, what do you think would be your greatest desire if you were in their place? He said, my greatest desire, obviously, if I were in their, in their place, is for Allah to return me to the world so that I can do more things that can help me in the grave. He said, you are in that position now. When you die, your greatest wish, your greatest desire is to come back to the world and accumulate nur, some light, something to light up your grave. That would be the desire. And he reminded him, he said, you are living in that position now where you can accumulate nur. So as salatu nur, salah is nur. The nur shows on your face. The faces of those who pray with sincerity are bright faces. You see happiness on their face. You see nur on their faces. The faces of those who disobey Allah, who do not pray, are dark faces. And it has nothing to do with complexion. It has nothing to do with your color. It has nothing to do with the color of your, of your skin. Nur can be seen on the face of a dark person. And darkness can be seen on the face of a person who is light in complexion. It's not about the skin. So, salatu nurun, this salah is nur. Nur on your face. Nur in the grave. The grave is a dark place. Very, very dark. And you need a light. You need to see. And the only light you have in the grave is salah. It's also nur on the day of resurrection. Because this love, this phrase is mutlaq. It's general. It applies to everything. Wassalatu nurun. Wassadaqatu burhan. And sadaqa is evidence. Evidence of what? Evidence of lack of shuh. Shuh means greed. The greed which is found in the hearts of men. Everyone wants everything for himself. That is shuh. Rasulullah said, Iyakum wa shuh. Beware of greed. It destroyed those before you. Wanting to have everything. Not willing to spend. Everything is supposed to be in your hands. For material things, we take risks. Where there is death, some people don't mind. If you said today, there's some place where you can find some diamonds, for example. Expensive diamonds, they're just lying all over the ground. But the place is quite dangerous because there are some, some big snakes all over the place. But the diamonds are there. If you go there, you find the diamonds. 
and lots of snakes. People would stay away, right? No. <laughs> That's not enough to make them stay away. They would still go. They, they would go for the diamonds, despite the risk. Because of shuh, greed, wanting to have. For salah, it's just a bit of rain, just a drizzle. Look outside, it's raining today. Oh, can't go to the mosque. The rain is too, too heavy. Imam, go, go and check outside, see if there's some, some clouds outside so that we, we simply combine these, these salawat. Yeah. Go, go and look for the, for the clouds. See if there are any, then we can, we can quickly combine this. Of course, it's, it's ruhsa, but ruhsa sometimes searching, actually searching for the, for the ruhsa in order to find it. When it comes to material things, we take risks. For din, we're not willing to, to take any risk at all. That is a sure. So a sadaqah, giving sadaqah is burhan. It's evidence of lack of shuh in the mind of a person. It's not easy to get some of your money and give it to someone expecting nothing in, in return. It's, it's quite difficult. That's why the best sadaqah is the kind of sadaqah that you give to people who are completely helpless and not in a position to help you in any way. That is the best sadaqah. An old woman, for example. Old woman, no food. Obviously, what, what favors do I expect from an old woman? Absolutely none. She has nothing to give me in return. That is a kind of sadaqah which you give expecting nothing in, in return. There are certain sadaqahs which have motives behind them. If I give him sadaqah, I'll get something in return. So a sadaqah to burhan. Burhan ala madha ala adam ishshuh. After a sadaqah to burhan, what does he say? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Patience is an illumination. An illumination, a light that lights the way, shows you the way. A sabr. A sabr is divided into three groups. Patience is divided into three. Three types of patience. Patience, ala al-ma'siyah. As-sabr, ala al-ma'siyah. Patience when it comes to disobedience, disobeying Allah. You know, ma'siyah is something that you have to be very, very patient to avoid. There's always the desire to fall into, into zina. There is a strong desire to listen to music. There is a strong desire to take money that doesn't belong to you. There is a strong desire, all the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has forbidden, there's always a strong desire in the human being to do those things. In order to stay away from them, you need patience, you need sabr. And this kind of patience, 
على المعصية الصبر على المعصية يوسف عليه الصلاة والسلام was tested concerning this patience وغلقت الأبواب and the wife of Aziz closed the doors وقالت هيت لك وقالت هيت لك and she said I'm, I'm ready for you the door is closed there is no one to witness the marcia she's a beautiful woman she is influential she has a lot of money there are so many things working to his disadvantage but what does he do Allah. i seek allah's protection innahu rabbi ahsana mathwai the aziz is my rabb not Allah. Rabbi here is not Allah. Rabbi is Aziz. The Lord of the house. He's my boss. Ahsana Mathwai. He's been good to me. I cannot do such a thing. But it takes willpower. It takes sabr. Without sabr, you would fall into, into ma'asir. There's the second type of sabr, which is ma'asir. The patience which one needs in order to obey Allah. It's very difficult to be engaged in ibadah and enjoy the ibadah. Usually people find anything that has to do with ibadah very, very boring. And shaitan makes sure that they don't have sabr with anything that is ibadah. When you stand in salah, you need sabr. You need patience only for 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 7 minutes. But this 7 minutes is a trying 7 minutes. You really need sabr. If you don't have sabr, the 7 minutes feels like 7 hours. In a situation where an imam leads Salatul Dhuhr and takes 20 minutes, what do you think would happen to him? If an Imam led Salatul Dhuhr and took 20 minutes to finish the Salatul Dhuhr, what would happen to him? Let's, let's be fair. What would people do to him? They would insult him and shout at him and swear never to pray behind him due to lack of what? Lack of sabr. 20 minutes is too much for them. They can't have patience for, for 20 minutes. It's just, just too much. So, there are some people, shortly before breaking the fast, just how many, how many minutes to go? Maybe 20, uh, I mean, two minutes before the Adhan. Two minutes before the Adhan, he, he starts eating. I think you see that. He cannot wait another minute or two minutes for the adhan to be called. Because the adhan is the indication that Maghrib Salah Dakhal and we have to start uh, uh, breaking our fast. And he starts one minute before the adhan. Lack of what? Sabr. Sabr ala madha ala ta'a. One hour before uh, 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 iftar, people are already sitting with, with the clock here counting every, every second 
before, before the iftar. لا يسكت. You get into Ramadan, 10 days into Taraweeh, لا يسكت. He can't. He can't come. He comes the first five days. After that, it's just too much for him. The first night of Taraweeh, غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين that's, that's the first night. Come 14th night. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين Two people. Amen. What happened? What about the others? They don't have the patience. They, they can't wait. It's, it's just too much for them. So a sabr is not just in one thing. A sabr when it comes to ma'asiyah, in order for you to uh, defeat ma'asiyah, to stay away from ma'asiyah, you need sabr. For ibadah, in order for you to uh, uh, concentrate on ibadah, you need sabr. If you don't have sabr, you can't. You can never uh, uh, concentrate on ibadah. Khutbah, 30 minutes is just too much. Five, seven minutes and off people go to dreamland. They're fast asleep. Football, the, the whole 90 minutes, the whole 90 minutes, not missing even one kick, not a throw in. The whole 90 minutes, full time, 100% concentration. When one game finishes, which one is coming next? So it's Zimbabwe versus Botswana. Ah, we want that one as well. Three matches, two hours, two hours, two hours, six hours of full concentration, no problem whatsoever. But ta'a, something that has to do with obedience, just ten minutes, you start, you start dozing. Lack of what? A sabr. And Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, was he tested with this kind of sabr? A sabr ala ta'atillah, who, who can mention it in uh, 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 one place in Surah Yusuf? How was he tested concerning this type of uh, sub? No. Where, where particularly? We said concerning ma'asiyah with the wife of Aziz. Alright? As-sabr ala ma'asiyatillah. Now, where is the occasion of as-sabr for Yusuf? As-sabr ala ta'atillah. The, the time they, they threw him in the, in the well? Where's the ta'a? Where is the, the ta'a? Okay, keep thinking. Let's move on to the third type of sabr. As-sabru ala al-aqdar. Sabr concerning the qadar, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for someone. Sabr concerning the problems. Everyone is going to go through uh, problems. Wabashir is sabirin. Give glad tidings to those who are patient after the other, inshallah. You want to read Surah Yusuf quickly? Naam. So Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam is thrown into, into prison. A prison is a, a difficult place. But Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, despite finding himself in this uh, difficult situation, the difficult condition, he continues 
to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by making da'wah to Allah in prison. He stood up for da'wah in prison. He called people to Allah in prison. He did not sit there and start uh, thinking about his situation, how they accused him and threw him in prison. He obeyed Allah. And even when the Aziz, actually the king, sent someone to call Yusuf from prison. Because Yusuf is the interpreter of dreams. And the king has dreamt about something. And someone has told him that Yusuf is able to explain the dream. The king is like the president of the country. And they go to Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam and say to him, the king is calling you. He wants you. Try to imagine, la Allah, you're in prison. And uh, some messengers come to tell you that the president wants to see you. What, what do you do? Very, very quickly. Very quickly. Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam refused. He said, I'm not leaving prison until we investigate the case of those ladies. We investigate the case against me in order to show that I did not do anything wrong. No one would ask for that. Even if you were accused falsely, if the president says, come out, I want you, you, you leave immediately. But Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam had sabr. Patience. Also patience ala al-aqdar, on qadar. He was thrown in the, in the well. And that's, that's where your uh, point comes in. He was thrown in the well and he was patient. He was thrown in prison and he was patient. He was accused of things and he was, he was patient. Alayhi salatu wasalam. So patience, some people have misunderstood this word. They think patience is when you're suffering and then you just exercise patience. Patience, that's just a small part of patience. A person who does not pray has no sabr. A person who cannot sit in a muhadara has no sabr. A person who cannot read Quran has no sabr. A person who makes zina has no sabr. Because if he had sabr, he would not make zina. He would not commit fornication or adultery. If he does that, then he is lacking sabr. A person who has sabr will not steal someone else's money. What causes people to steal? Lack of sabr. If you had patience, you would not steal. A person who has sabr will not insult other people. What causes people to insult? Lack of sabr, lack of patience. So you find that patience, sabr is our life. A person without sabr can't give you money. A person without sabr is a stingy person. So salah is about patience. It's about sabr. If you see anyone failing, he is not a sabr. Zakat is about sabr. It's about patience. If you see anyone failing to pay zakat, he's not a sabr. He has no patience. Fasting is about sabr. If you see someone failing to fast, then he has no sabr. He wants to eat all the time. He can't have patience. There's no sabr in him. Hajj is sabr. 
If a person fails to go for Hajj, then he has no patience, he has no sabr. Firstly, he has no sabr with his money. Secondly, he has no sabr in the face of difficulties, because Hajj is not an easy journey. Hajj is not a holiday. Hajj is not luxury. People sleep in Mina. People sleep in Arafah. They walk long distances. It's very tiresome. If a person finds Hajj too difficult, then he's not sober. He, he does not have the patience. There are some people, and this I say from, from experience, people who went to Mecca and failed to perform the Hajj and came back due to lack of sabr. They looked at the situation and this, referring to the Ihram, this is what we'll be wearing for the next couple of days. And where, where are we going to sleep? So here in the, in the tents. And it's so many kilometers from this place to that place we'll have to, to walk. And the tawaf in the time of Hajj, just one tawaf, I think you know. One tawaf will take two hours just to finish your, your, your tawaf. And you're being pushed. You started in the inner ring, you find sometimes yourself outside, somewhere else. If, if you go for tawaf and there are five of you, just, just arrange, just agree on where you are going to meet. Because after the tawaf, you won't see each other. It's difficult. As Safa al Marwa is the same, it's a very, very difficult place. It's not easy, very difficult. The whole Hajj experience is a tiresome, difficult experience. That's why Allah said, only once a lifetime. Because if Hajj was every year, I, I doubt we would manage. So if a person fails to do that, then he's lacking sabr. So sabr is not just suffering. Sabr is also in being rich. A poor person is supposed to be patient. In the same way, a rich person is also supposed to be patient. If a rich person has no patience, he will destroy himself. Especially money. I keep saying, we're sitting here humbly, the majority of us, I'm not saying everyone, uh, uh, some people, alhamdulillah, Allah has given them ikhlas. They're here for the sake of Allah and they want to learn the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever the circumstances. But for other people, if today we gave them 100,000 kwacha, we will have chased them. We won't see them in any muhadara at all. Not tomorrow, not next week. We won't see them. They'll be too busy. They're too busy looking for a house to buy. Too busy looking for a plot. That's what money does to a person. He loses sabr and suddenly he's, he's nowhere to be seen. The majority of the people that will sit in the masjid are those that, well, really don't have much to do. I'm not saying everyone, some people. For some, the moment you give them something now and so all that, all these are instances of sabr. وَالصَّبْرُ ضِيَا وَالصَّبْرُ ضِيَا وَالْقُرْآنُ حُجَّةٌ لَكَ أَوْ عَلَيْكَ The Qur'an is evidence for you or against you. 
The Quran is either evidence for you or against you. وَإِذَا مَا أُنزِلَتْ سُورَةٌ نَظَرَ بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ And when a surah is revealed, they look at, at each other. Towards the end of Surah At-Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ayyukum, they say, Ayyukum zadatu hadihi imana. They say, who's been increased in iman by this surah? فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَزَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا وَعَفِيُونَ آمَنُوا Those who believe in Allah. زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا The Quran increases them in iman. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ As for those who have a disease in their hearts, فَزَادَتْهُمْ رِجِسَا It just increases them in debt. The debt which they already have in their hearts. A person reads Quran and memorizes the Quran and does not follow what the Quran asks him to do. Check your position with the Quran. You read the entire Quran the whole, uh, 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 the whole time. How many times has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us in the Quran to pray? How many times has Allah said, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ in the Holy Quran? Several times. So you finish the Quran every time and salah is not important to you. What is your position? Is the Quran evidence for you or evidence against you? It is evidence against you. I've seen some people who point at certain people and say they're big ulama. They know Quran, they know Qiraat, they know Tafsir. They... And then these big ulama who know Quran and know Tafsir and know everything are not Muwahideen, they're Mushrikun. They're involved in shirk. For those, Quran is not hujjah for them. Quran is hujjah against them, it's evidence against them. Because if you are a hafid of the Quran and you know Tafsir and you're still slaughtering at the grave, the Quran is hujjah against you. How many times does Allah mention Tawheed in the Quran? You finish slaughtering at the grave and then you go home and read, قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ That evidence is evidence for you or evidence against you? It's evidence against you. One makes zina and then later he comes and reads the Quran. وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا Is that evidence for you or evidence against you? It's evidence against you. You don't respect your parents and then you come and read the Quran. إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِذَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا Is that evidence for you or against you? You have to be careful. It should not be evidence against you. Sitting here could be evidence against you. Being in this place, listening to this muhadara is evidence against you. I'm not saying you should run away. But it's either evidence for you or evidence against you. So this majlis on Yawmul Qiyamah is going to be evidence for you, inshallah, if you follow what you hear. Otherwise, this majlis is going to be the greatest evidence against you on the day of judgment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us hita and tawfiq. We'll finish this hadith, inshallah ta'ala, in the next week and then go straight into the next hadith. وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدَى إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم بحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يسفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين